Can you solve your addiction in just one day? Well, the Freedom Model team has helped thousands of people to do just that. Join us for an intensive one-day interactive learning experience as we take you through the entire Freedom Model solution in just one day and learn the most up-to-date strategies based on our research and experience helping tens of thousands of people over the past 34 years. You will see clearly exactly why you are still struggling and how to stop those struggles once and for all. No more confusion, no more guilt or pain or shame. Click the link in our bio to learn more now or go to thefreedommodel.org. Click on the For the Substance User tab and choose One Day Addiction Solution. Enroll today. It's time for you to step off the addiction roller coaster for good and learn a solution that works. It's called Families Moving Past Addiction Masterclass. It's a live, free online event where you'll hear new and empowering information about addiction, and that's great news. If you love someone who is struggling with an addiction, then this masterclass is for you. To enroll in this free one-hour class, click the link provided or go to thefreedommodel.org. There are various dates and times for the class, so choose the one that works best for you. See you at the masterclass. Welcome to the Addiction Solution Podcast. I'm Michelle Dunbar. Enjoy listening and watching as addiction experts Mark Sheeran and I cover controversial as well as helpful topics on addiction, how to move past it, and other related subjects. As two of the co-founders of the Freedom Model, Mark and I will give you a completely new perspective on the topics that matter to you. We will take to task the Recovery Society's lies and misinformation and replace them with facts, research, and the methods to move on from addiction struggles without 12-step meetings, rehabs, and the shackles of endless recovery. Let's escape the treatment and recovery trap together and learn to be free. Welcome to the truth. Hey, everyone. Welcome to The Addiction Solution. I'm Michelle Dunbar. And I'm Mark Sheeran. And we are the authors of The Freedom Model for Addictions and The Freedom Model for the Family, um, which you can get digital copies for free by going to thefreedommodel.org. Uh, go to the books tab, pick the book you want, enter coupon code FREEDOM100 at checkout. That will be a digital download for your mobile device. You could, you, And we also wrote it with Stephen Slate. I yes, just got to say that. Our colleague Stephen Slate. And um, we hope everybody had a happy 4th of July. I know this is going to come out a couple of days after, um, but we just celebrated it, everybody here in the U.S. And um, also, you can get this book, a paperback edition of this book for free for just the cost of shipping it to you at freebook.freedommodel.org. And uh, the Freedom Model also as you see from the ads, is the creator of the Complete Addiction Solution. Yes, we're excited about it. Yeah, so check that out. It's yep, pretty, go to thefreedommodel.org. Pre pretty amazing. Yep, so today what we want to talk about um, is what about, what about the brain? What dopamine. Ab what about dopamine and Serotonin. neuroscience? And now don't worry, this is not going to be a boring, egg-heady conversation. Not that I think that stuff is boring, because I think that stuff is fascinating. Absolutely. I'm reading a book right now um, that is very deep in the weeds on that. Um, but does it 
mean that there is such a thing as a as a disease? Does it mean that you're compelled to use by your brain chemistry? Um, does it does it mean that maybe you don't really have a choice? All right. So um, let's start with the idea of what we're talking about here. And that is that somehow the brain um, and your, the, your brain chemistry um, compels you to use substances. And the question is, does it? It does dopamine um, and serotonin uh, change and changes in dopamine and serotonin. Uh, does that compel you to use? Um, and the answer, I'm going to, I'm going to hit it flat out here. And the answer is no, doesn't, doesn't do that. But I do want to start with, uh, when you take drugs, substances into your body, it does change brain chemistry, obviously. And some of those changes can be longer term, like days, sometimes weeks, maybe even months with benzodiazepines as an example, or for sure, even some, uh, some antidepressants, which usually aren't habit forming. But the point is we, we can alter brain chemistry and change the way the brain functions with drugs. Now, neither of us are, uh, pharmacologists, but we've studied this for 34 years. We probably know more than most people on the topic. Um, but what we are experts in, and this is the important part, get listening, is that no matter how much your change, your brain has changed, people are able to choose to change. Yes. And that's something that gets ignored. So here we have a situation. Oh, my phone is ringing. I thought I shut my ringer off. Go I ahead. thought he did too. So look, what we're gonna what we're gonna talk about today is the, the, the problem with neuroscience. Okay, the problem with neuroscience, psychology, behavioral health, all of these things <coughs> is the power of choice is the, the, the question of, are we truly free? Do we truly have free will? And you can go pretty deep into the neuroscience realm and, and very, very smart people. And it, it's very interesting to me that very smart people will talk about brain science as if it's, as if it's uh settled science, as if it's something that is known factor. They'll talk about different areas of your brain and what different areas of your brain do and don't do. And, and really, and then try to make that, like translate it, that into predicting behaviors or showing people that somehow they're not in control of their behaviors. And, and we know, we know based on a plethora of behavioral research that you can't predict human behavior. Yeah, there's no way. So here's something that's interesting. So can you see a person's choices on a PET scan? Or what the, are their thoughts yeah. specifically? Yeah, can you, can you tell their motivations from a PET scan? Can you, can you slice the brain open, take a slice, put it on a Petri dish, and then look under it under a microscope, put it on a slide, and say, that is a thought. And it's uh, this thought. It's when he was thinking about polka dotted 
uh, hippopotamuses. Yeah. Wallpaper. Right. And so when we start to get into the realm of thoughts, motivations, desires, emotions, interpretations, beliefs, uh, all of that is so utterly and completely complex hmm. and varied, infinitely varied, infinitely. Now you further complicate that with autonomy. And that is that none of us really can, a scientist cannot measure a person's thoughts because he doesn't even know if the person's lying. So if we were to have somebody hooked up to a, a machine that could, could read their serotonin and dopamine levels accurately and universally throughout the brain and map out every single neuron of the trillions that exist inside that skull of theirs, if we could do that, we can. Um, and then we could say, all right, I want you to think about polka dotted wallpaper and the person says, okay, I will. And really they're thinking about their divorce. Could you, I mean, how, how do we even remotely believe the bullshit that we can measure somehow out of a PET scan, what is actually happening in a person's emotional life? It's patently ridiculous to then say, but behind this, is this idea that the brain is the originator of thought and it's not, it's not your mind is. And that's self-evident because you think, right? I mean, that that's, that's so self-evident, but it doesn't change the fact that people say, no, your brain is the originator of thought. Well, that means that the brain has a mind of its own, doesn't it? So is the brain in control of you? Is the brain separate than you? Because if it's separate than you, then it could control your thoughts and, and, and make that and, and then compel you to use. That means that your brain has a mind of its own that creates original thoughts that then compel you to use beyond your will. Okay. So you've just created two wills, the brain's will, and then your will. What you want. And, and this is totally frustrating for people like myself that study human behavior because they ignore this. This is completely ignored. Where did the thought come from? They say the biochemistry. Okay, great. Well, tell me how a gelatinous protein filled electrical thing stuff creates a metaphysical thought. Tell me how it does that. It must have a will of its own, an intelligence of its own that supersedes your will, which is your thoughts and your beliefs and your ideas. Because to go out and drink or drug takes thought <laughs> to do that. And it says that you, your mind, your existence, your consciousness does not exist in that equation. Or if it does, it's superseded by a brain-centered will of its own. And that's just weird. And so they ignore consciousness is what happens. And they say it's all about chemicals. Well, I'm sorry, but I find it hard to believe that chemicals equals the origination of thought. Because... Life is just too organized for that. I mean, I don't believe that a brain will 
that has a will of its own is then chemically altering your thoughts and then creating thoughts and then it's randomly and then we create a space shuttle out of that. And that's all random? Well, and based on chemistry? Yeah. And so so I can already hear what people are going to where people are going to go on this. And it's the same place that people go when we say that drugs can't change your thoughts. They think we're saying they don't do anything. Right. Right. right? And we're, right. we're or that the brain doesn't matter. The it brain matters. doesn't matter. The brain. Oh, so you're saying that, that the chemicals in the brain don't do anything. No, we're saying that the brain is not in control. Right. Okay. There's a difference between saying that, you know, if, if we go to the example of drugs, it's different between saying that a drug is in control of your mind, of your thoughts, uh, that can change them and saying that you're in control, right? Or saying that, it, yeah, it definitely uh, affects the processing within the brain. So the brain is a processor. It's a processor. And it's necessary in the human condition to live. We get yes. that. We don't argue that. And it's affected by substances. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, you know, I don't want to even go into the spiritual realm either because because people are going to go there and and talk about now you're talking about the soul and you're talking about the spirit and things like that. If that's the way you want to view it, sure, but not necessarily, okay? Nobody knows where the mind originates. You can, I, I've read so many books on this and I, I continue to look for them because, and and when it comes right down to it, scientists, neuroscientists don't know. They don't know what the mind really is or they, where it comes from. They don't even look at it. No. They, they act as if it doesn't exist to the, the, to the same degree that I might marginalize the role of serotonin and dopamine and decision-making. They go one step further in the other direction. They act like you don't even exist. Right. That, that, that there's no will at all. And here's the crazy part of that. Okay. So, so when a neuroscientist who is all about the addiction disease says that your brain is running the show, they don't allow for the fact that their brain's running the show. Do you know what I mean by that? Like, like in their world, if you ask many of them, well, are you, are you in danger of becoming an addict? They'll tell you no. Right. Okay. No, because I'm not going to choose to do those things. And I, I don't find those things pleasurable or whatever it is. And it's like, but those things are choices too. They're choices too. The choice to become a neuroscientist is a choice. Do, do you think that you were predestined to put on that path by your brain? Right, right. That's where it comes down to. It always comes back to a certain amount of philosophy and it's unavoidable. And that is the question is, does the brain have a mind of its own that creates original thoughts, the thoughts that enter our consciousness? Does the brain have its own intelligence that is separate from yours? Because in order for their argument to, to, to work, there has to be some intelligence within the brain. Now, what, what they're saying is, but they don't say that. They ignore that. They, they just say the brain does this. But here's, here's what, where this really goes awry. The same people that say this say you have to hit bottom right. to get over your drug addiction. Now, think about that. Hmm. That means 
and I don't disagree with this. That well, me that means that yeah, we disagree with hitting bottom. Well, I'll get there. Okay. I, that means that they've, that they've, I lost it. I'm sorry. I That's know where okay. you're going with it. Yeah. What, what, you're, what you're saying is, so what he's saying is if you, they'll say that you have to hit bottom and to, in order to hit a bottom, which is incredibly subjective, your brain you, has to be changed. Your brain has to be at the most, right. Your brain's at the most changed point. It's at the most hijacked point from drugs and alcohol. For that individual, right? So they're drinking and drugging heavily. We don't disagree. This is what I was going to say. We don't disagree with the fact that your brain has been changed by substances. Right. That's, that's, uh, that'd be ridiculous. If you poison the human brain, it's going to chemically change. It's going to uh, react to that. It's going yeah. to adjust to that. It's going to adapt to that, especially a poison that you habitually uh, put in it Yeah. Or, or substance. Maybe it's not a poison, just substance. And so it adjusts. So you have a changed brain. We agree. But the point is <laughs> people change all the time. As a matter of fact, the same treatment people that say you're compelled to use because your brain has changed are saying you have to hit bottom in order to stop. When your brain is most changed. And then people do change. They do. They change when their brain is most changed. They change when they moderate and it's less changed. They, they change their habit. They stop drinking and drugging in the beginning of their habit, maybe when they're a teenager and stop. They do it at all stages to the point to where it's over 9 out of 10 as they age out. And do we think... This change is compelled by chemicals in your brain. Right. So now you have to, if you go with their theory, suddenly maybe the brain mind that I call it, right? The brain is in charge. Somehow the brain then says to your mind, it's time to change. It's time to let go. You know, you're changing me too much. I'm the brain. You're changing me too much. So now it's time for you to change and, and, and stop drinking and drugging. I mean, this is a weird land. This is just weird land. So we focus on brain chemistry as if it's the answer. When number one, Michelle made the point, they don't really know. You can't take a slide of the brain and say, there's your thoughts. There's your motivations. This is how this works. They think they know, but ultimately humans break that mold. They break down that model simply by deciding to act in completely contrasting ways in a, in a single day. Yes. In a single day, you do a myriad of things that are opposite, contrasting, different motivations. You go from crying to laughing to being morose to maybe just having a normal, you know, sort of busy day. We're all over the map based on our interpretations of the world. You're going to tell me that the brain is doing all of that for you? Is it your brain? the chemicals in your brain that's are, that are running you, or is it your thoughts? Or maybe it's an interaction between both, which is what we say. Exactly. But, exactly. But brain changes do not supersede choice. choice. Ever. Brain chemistry does not supersede choice. Ever. So here's the sad part of this, the sad side of this, okay, is that I have watched people, really intelligent people, go down the road of trying to figure out what's wrong with their brain. It's so sad. And to me. they're very well read. Um, I worked with a woman here, just a 
really, I really love, I loved her. Sweet, sweet woman. Um, you know, two master's degree, working on a PhD, just voracious reader, super bright, super bright, had been in and out of treatment programs, uh, you know, was trying to fix her brain. That was her goal was to fix her brain because she really liked getting drunk. She really liked getting drunk. And, and no matter, no matter how much we talked about choice and behavior, she was absolutely convinced that her brain was broken and there was no way for her to stop. Right. And so that became her reality. That became her reality. Now forget the fact that she spent, spent, you know, several weeks, she spent four weeks at the retreat, not drinking. We were having a great time. We were you know, we went to a concert. We did a whole bunch of fun stuff together. She was really like opening her mind to the possibility, wow, maybe I am in charge of this. Maybe there's something more than the brain that that's, in, you know what I yeah, mean? Like, yeah. like maybe it's not all about the brain chemistry. And um, now she, she's had a, a psychiatrist and, and another psychologist that she was, she had all these people she was seeing. Um, and, and, and it's a sad thing to report that when she left, it only took her about six months to go back down that rabbit hole. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, it's an alluring idea because people want their, when you look at physical things, it becomes very black and white. And, and to say that it's serotonin, to say that it's dopamine, that, that, uh, it makes it really simple. You know, I have no control because my brain is broken and that's incredibly sad so to me sad. because nobody, I, uh, here's the deal. I started asking these questions 35 years ago and, and I realized that I would listen to supposed experts stammer and they would say, well, and then they'd finally, when I would keep asking about the brain chemistry and all this stuff, because that's when it was starting about 40 years ago, this whole brain disease model. Um, and I realized they didn't know. They'd say, when I started to really dig, they'd say, well, we're really not sure how that works. You know, and, and I started to realize that if you ignore people's thoughts and motivations and this whole realm of how we think, it's 50% of the, the equation. You have a physical thing called a brain, but you also have this infinite thing called free will. How do they work together? Now, we do know that in stroke, traumatic brain injury, you can really alter somebody's ability to process thought. That's um, true. So the brain has a very important pr uh, purpose in, in this relationship between mind and brain and the physical universe we live in, in this vessel, this physical vessel. You know, I, I, I always talk about this, but I can't pick up this cup of coffee without first wanting it in the mind, then processing that thought to move my arm, to bring it to my lips, then to taste it, to then have the awareness in my consciousness, my mind that, ah, that tasted good. And that whole experience. So there's a back and forth uh, relationship between mind, brain, and back to mind. And that's that everybody, if you think about it, you can't do anything in the physical realm consciously without consciously thinking about it, right? In the mind. Now, if 
thought originates in the brain, it automatically means that the brain has a mind of its own that is separate from yours, from your awareness. And that's a weird thought. Now, I know I'm getting into the weeds, but it has to go here because we have to be asking ourselves, do I really believe that a physical thing, if it didn't have a mind of its own, that a physical thing is running me? It makes me want the coffee? That's what these people want you to believe. They want you to believe that a chemical, serotonin and dopamine and other chemicals, fire randomly, which then says, I want coffee, or I want to think about polka dotted wallpaper, or any infinite thing, and that that's completely fucking random, okay? Or if it's organized, if it's organized and we build space shuttles, that the brain's mind without you involved, without your consciousness involved, is making a decision to make a space shuttle or the circuitry for that part of the space shuttle, right? Who's deciding that? Who's the puppet master of the brain? Is it you, your consciousness, or is it some other entity within brain chemistry that has somehow organized itself to work with all the other brain chemistries in their sphere of influence and makes shit happen. I think that that is such a fucking leap yeah. and ridiculous yes. on its face. I would rather believe that what, what actually is shown in society, and that is people have varying degrees of brain change when it comes to substance use, and irrespective of it, 91% of the drinkers are going to eventually drop out of the problematic use cycle by choice. Yeah, that's a fact. That's a fact. It's self-evident. We can look out and see those people. The research is there. 96% of heroin users, 99% of methamphetamine users, 98% of cocaine users, right? So we know, we know that people, irrespective, it doesn't matter how much their brain chemistry has changed, whether they hit rock bottom or not. It, none of that matters. What matters is I think I can be happier doing that. Now, happier is in the mind. Is happier, the concept of happier being run by a puppet master in your brain, which then tells your consciousness to go and change your substance use habit? Do you really believe that? Because that's what you have to believe if you believe brain chemistry is running you. Because they do not allow for you to be running your brain chemistry. Their argument is that you, meaning your consciousness, your mind, your ability to think is not running the show. That something else is. And they never explain what that is. That was my fundamental question 35 years ago. Well, who, who's behind the brain chemistry then? If it ain't me, who's behind the brain chemistry? Now, there is thinking that... Uh, you know, in the neuroscience world, and really, I think it's more the the quantum physics world that our thoughts are what is in charge of our brain chemistry, right? Yeah, that's, that's that my makes view. more sense. That's my view. Um, and that our thoughts ultimately are our own, and that we get to choose. Now, that doesn't mean that there aren't habitual thoughts, right? That seem to just pop out of nowhere. That doesn't mean that there aren't, you know triggering events. I don't like the word trigger yep. because cues, cues yep. like sure. environmental cues that might remind us remind, right. That uh, of, of something like, um, like, you know, when you 
have a certain smell might remind you of being at your grandmother's house. Um, and so all of a sudden that thought seems to appear based on the, the smell of spaghetti sauce cooking or something. Um, so there, there is a lot at work and there are, it can feel like I, we both understand what it feels like to be out of control. Right. But right. Yeah, we do. That perception do. that, that, you know, I just, I just want to get fucked up every day, every day. Right. And that's, and that's, or you wake up in the morning and you have conviction of, I'm not going to do this today. And then as you go through your day, the cues are there, right? The same cues, you go to the same job, probably went the same way to work. You went, you go to that same job, yet you have the same bullshit with that same coworker. Um, you end up going home and you get the bullshit from your, your husband. And then you're like, fuck it. I'm getting drunk. I mean, so, so we understand how, but, but do you all, how that can feel out of control, but do you also see that you still chose to go the same way to work every day? Yeah, that was a decision, right? You still chose to react the same way to that stupid coworker. You still chose you kind of came home with a bad attitude already anticipating that that your husband was going to be a dick right so and so you kind of set it up all day so that you could get fucked up later i mean you can look at it that way and be like okay maybe i was never cuz at any point in time during that day you could have chose to do something different yeah so the whole freedom model is what michelle just described and if you notice, there's a line, and I think it's probably now with the brain disease being pushed so hard, the most important line in the book is brain changes be damned. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what's happening in your brain, unless, of course, you have wet brain and you are debilitated yep. by damaging your brain to a, an extreme point, then your, your ability to process conscious thought can be hampered. Yep. Uh, but still, we see that those people still have motivations, still have choices. Um, they're just going to have a harder time at processing life. Um, same goes for stroke victims. Um, you see personalities change with stroke. You see all kinds of wild things happen. So the brain is very important. And Absolutely. Having, but, but, but we downplay its resiliency. We make it seem like it's this fragile thing. First of all, like, like I talked about that, it's run by some invisible puppet master that has some intelligence and is telling you what to do. And then we tell people that the chemicals, um, now tell the brain that we need more of this. And, but none of the research bears that out. None of the actual actions of human beings act that out until we are taught that in our mind, in our beliefs, in our thoughts. So brain changes be damned if you show people like we do in our book that you can change, that you can be happier not using. People naturally gravitate to what they love, to what they find beneficial in their life. and. And I don't even need a book to tell you that it's going to happen, whether you like it or not, because we're geared towards happiness. That's the beauty of the way the mind is constructed, yeah. not the brain, but the mind is constructed with the positive drive principle. So, so the freedom model is really, is really simply a model that looks at reality and 
reality says people change with impunity. When they decide they see something over there that's better, they naturally like to gravitate to something that is beneficial to them if they believe it. So it, and it doesn't matter how changed your brain is, except for traumatic brain injury, wet brain, and in Bender's unconsciousness. When your consciousness has separated from your physical being, from the brain processor, you are passed out and you're overdosed. We get that. We don't argue with any of that. I also don't argue with neuroplasticity. I, I was a proponent of it when it was a new on the scene. I think your brain changes into habitual modes, but that, that just means it's efficient. It doesn't mean it, it changes your motivation. Yeah. Everything you learn changes your brain. You can learn to play piano, but you're not compelled to play piano. Perfect. I want you to just memorize that line, right? You, you can, a taxi driver, his brain changes with a map, an internal map. Doesn't mean he's compelled to drive the, the, the taxi in that way. Right. right. So, um, so our brain can change based on taking drugs, thoughts of drugs, physically ingesting the drug, all of that changes brain chemistry and there's neuroplastic change. There's also poison mitigation changes, right? Um, so there's sort of the physical addiction changes. There's all these different things that change the brain, but it doesn't change the ability for the mind to supersede all that and choose a different path and go to detox, change your life, move on with it. People do it all the time. Millions. So you can you can go down this route and people have, and they send us research that's that that they're like, this it goes against what you're saying. And and but the all the research that gets sent to us never accounts for choice. It never says there isn't a choice. It never shows that, okay? Not, it can't. So, it, so it, it's impossible. unless, I mean, and and if you want to believe that you're compelled, if you want to believe that you're, you don't have a choice and you're going to keep going down that brain-centered road, okay, you're free to do that. You're um, free to choose it. It's a long, it's, it's, yeah. it's a road to nowhere, okay? Because, because the science isn't settled with respect to behavior. It absolutely isn't because the wild card is your mental autonomy. That's right. And Nobody knows what you're thinking That's at right. any given moment in time. Nobody knows why you like the things you like. Just you. Just you. You're the only one in there. And so this book, The Freedom Model, can absolutely give you a pathway to change it but it is all up to you in the end. There's not a magic pill. There's not a magic um, therapy. There's nothing magic that's happening other than the magic in your own mind. That's right. So the, the question fundamentally comes down to this. If you believe you have a mind and thoughts that are internal to you, that you have free will autonomy, you're your own person, your own mind, and you have, you're the owner of a brain in this meat suit. And that you're running the show, you're probably going to have a good life. You're going to feel empowered and it's wonderful. If you believe there is an invisible puppet master that is your brain, uh, right? That, that is running your brain tissue, because we obviously know that something physical can't actually make thought, can't generate thought. Um, it can't make something metaphysical happen. Um, so there's got to be some sort of metaphysical mind of the brain that's a puppet master that then manipulates your processor for you to act in some random way. You can believe that. 
And then you can even believe that your brain tissue is then altered and now you are a slave to that puppet master, right? That that gets in the realm of of really strange religion. Well, I, I almost think it, it, it can be even an easier thought than that. Am I in charge or not? Yeah, that's what it comes down to. I mean, that's what it Brain- comes down to. Uh, am I in charge or not? Like I, I this morning... Um, for a good example, I had decided because I wake up every morning between 4.30 and 5.30 and I'm like, I'm finally just going to get up. So this morning I woke up at 4.20 and I was like, nope, I'm not getting up. Well, I ended up getting up a quarter after five. And then I'm like, am I going to go for a walk or not go for a walk? Well, I did a whole bunch. I got dressed. I was like, get dressed because I'm trying to change my habits, right? I'm trying to not, I, I got into kind of a habit of going back to sleep, and going back to sleep and not getting up till after six and then being yucky, feeling yucky. And so I'm like, so the whole morning, I, there was no way that my brain was creating this because at every turn I was questioning things. What should I do? Um, I didn't take the time to journal this morning, which I try to do every morning. Um, but I, but I ended up forcing myself to do walk three miles. I did a load of laundry. I mean, I did a ton of stuff this morning and I'm like, and it was not stuff that I normally do, you know? And so, but if I thought, if I thought, my brain's in charge. I probably would have stayed in bed until 630 again and and felt pretty bad about myself. So Michelle brings a lot of, I always talk about things from a very um, philosophic and I've always done this. It's just the the nature. He is a deep thinker. Yeah. We have great conversations. And I need to, (laughs) I need to, that's just the way I process a problem and, and I get really deep in the weeds and I, I get that. So for the audience out there that likes that sort of thing, they'll like what I have to say, but I think that Michelle cuts right to the chase in an important way. And that is, what does the research actually show us? And it shows us that people change all the time. All the time. Whether their brains are changed or not. Yeah. And and that's all that matters. It's great news. It's awesome. It's all that matters. So you can let go of all these books and people who make careers just bloviating about biochemistry when you can't tell what a thought is. There's no way to test. Jack is thinking about polka dotted wallpaper. So it's meaningless. It's goddamn meaningless. It's it's interesting. I find those books fascinating. Yeah. Um, but they, but, uh, but they, they're lacking because in the end, you're the one that's in charge. Yeah. In the end, it's whatever you believe. So you can really spend a lot of time wasted trying to figure out how your brain is working when you could spend that time rebuilding your life, moving on, being happier, deciding whether less use is going to be happier for you, and then doing what millions of people successfully do across the globe And that's move on with their lives because that is concrete research. We know that to be true. And and you know it to be true because there are many times in your life where you haven't gotten high. There are days where you choose not to. And if you really dig in, you say, that day I thought I was happier not to use heavily. Yeah. And that's it. 
And it really didn't matter how hijacked your brain was because when you're hungover, your brain is hijacked supposedly so badly. But the truth of the matter is it didn't matter, did it? It doesn't matter one way or the other. None of that biochemistry matters until you believe it does. Yeah, and then it makes it that much harder. And then it becomes a construct. It becomes part of your binge construct that keeps you trapped. Stop doing that to yourself. Yeah. Know that you can change. You can change. I think we have beat this one today. Yeah. <laughs> it's a tough topic. Look, it, look at if you like our podcast, give us five-star rating wherever you listen or watch. Um, if you have questions, um, the other part of this is if you're watching us on YouTube and you make a comment, we are really like, we forget to go to YouTube and look at comments, but write your comments. Cause we're going to go and look. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, we do. Um, and, uh, and if you, there was a topic you want us to talk about, email us at info at the freedommodel.org. That's I N F O at the freedommodel.org. That's right. All right, everybody. Bye, everyone. I hope you're having a great summer. Take care. Are you struggling with a drug or alcohol problem, but you don't want to go to rehab or group meetings? That's why we created the non-12-step Freedom Model Coaching Program in 2011. Through video conferencing on Zoom or Skype, you can work privately with a certified Freedom Model Coach from your home or office on your schedule. And here's the best part. With the Freedom Model, you'll never be labeled an addict or an alcoholic, and we won't tell you to go to 12-step meetings or hamper your life with endless recovery rituals. Instead, you can learn exactly why addiction isn't a disease and how you can solve the problem for good and move on with your life. Do you want to be completely free from your addiction? Do you want to never have to attend meetings, rehabs, or addiction counseling ever again? And do you want to solve your problem from the comfort of home? Then call us at 888-424-2626 to talk with a Freedom Model coach today and experience the Freedom Model difference.